Good morning and welcome to worship this morning. Would you stand and sing with us, please? One, two, three, four. Good morning. It's good to see you on this fourth Sunday of Lent. Our scripture this morning comes from Psalms. It's the Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, thou art my God, I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh faints for thee, as in a dry and weary land where no water is. So I've looked upon thee in the sanctuary beholding thy power and glory, because thy steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise thee, so I will bless thee as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on thy name. My soul is feasted as with marrow and fat, and my mouth praises thee with joyful lips. When I think of thee upon my bed 
and meditate on thee in the watches of the night, for thou hast been my help. And in the shadow of thy wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to thee, my right hand upholds me. Can you please bow your heads for prayer? Loving God, we gather in this place today to worship you and give you thanks. We praise you for all you give us. May we always be thankful. Open our hearts and our understanding this morning as your word is proclaimed. We know that your steadfast love is better than life. Guide us that we may seek you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning, everyone. Egg Hunt is coming. Our Egg Hunt's April 10th. It's going to be after service from noon to 2 p.m. We're going to have all sorts of things going on. We had our meeting last week, so we've decided what type of food we're having. We're going to have crafts and games. We're trying to find something extra exciting in there, but I'm told by Jenny that it can't be a bounce house. Miss Jenny says no bounce houses this year. However, we're going to find something extra exciting. And then, of course, there's, there's Egg Hunt's, right? We'll have four different egg fields ranging um, in different age groups from 0 to 11 years old. And they will all go at individual times. So parents, you don't have to try to be in two places at once if you have kids that are split up in groups. And, oh my goodness, we have a lot of eggs. We have, you all have donated 2,100 eggs this year's egg hunts. Thank you so much. That means that we can put a lot on each egg field. And I don't have to worry about telling the kids that they can only have 10 each. They can collect eggs until their baskets are overflowing and they're falling in the ground. We've also had 32 jumbo bags of candy donated. So we are well on our way to to filling all of those eggs. We are looking for more candies that are appropriate for kids like under the age of four. So not super chewy, more like a marshmallow consistency. And do we need more candy for the rest of the kids? Yes, we need more candy for everyone. So whatever you are willing to donate, we appreciate and we will make sure it gets consumed that day or at Trunk or Treat because that'll be in October. So, hey, candy is candy no matter when you eat it, right? We just do ask no chocolate because we have had bad experiences with chocolate. So, our date to look forward to is April 3rd. My egg stuffers. There are some extraordinary egg stuffers in this congregation. If you are willing to come and help us stuff those 2,100 eggs, we are doing that after uh, service at noon in the fellowship hall. I will have snacks for everybody so we can make sure you don't get tired while you're stuffing all of those eggs. And I will greatly appreciate any and all help so I'm not doing it by myself because I will eat all the candy. So I need somebody to be my self-control. Hi, I'm Steve. Jesse and I are also in charge of our anchored ministry on Tuesday nights with our youth. And I just wanted to tell you guys that um, I'm really very, very proud of our students that have been coming in. We have grown 400%, which means that we now have four. <laughs> but that, that's actually a really big deal. The goal with this is to build the youth in this church uh, because really they are the future of this church. They're going to be the reason that, you know, we don't go dark as a church in the future. And so I just want to encourage everybody to come out tonight. I'm really proud of the work that they've done. Um, they are going to be performing at the campfire service or non-campfire service. But again, I would just really appreciate it if, if you guys could make it out. Uh, we saw a really great turnout uh, this past Thursday for fellowship dinner, and we'd love to see that kind of fellowship um, out at the, 
at the event for tonight because it's not just about youth. It's about everybody uh, and everybody being there in fellowship. Amen. All right, kiddos, come on forward. There are some out there. I see them. All right, my chillins. Hey, dude, how's it going? Good. Did you come to see Grandpa today? Yeah, that's so exciting. I'm so glad you guys are here. We're going to be talking today. We're going to look at, do sort of an overview of Jesus' ministry here on earth. Did you guys know that Jesus was kind of like a preacher? He kind of did like what Pastor Jim does. But Jesus did it in his own unique way. We meet Jesus as a baby, right? Everybody knows the story of baby Jesus coming to earth as king. He was born a baby king in the most weird way ever in a stable, right, with like cows and donkeys there. And then we see, baby, we see Jesus again as a teenager very briefly. We see a story about him in the temple. And then he reappears, and he's like a full-grown, like, real adult. Not like he's barely an adult that just got his driver's license. He's a real, real adult. He's in his 30s. And he starts his ministry. And there's a couple things he did to do that. We know, we've seen in the past couple weeks, the temptation of Jesus, right? We talked about how he removed himself into the desert to pray and to fast for 40 days. And while he was in the desert, he was tempted by the devil, to use his powers to help himself instead of relying on God. And during this time, Jesus proves that he is God's chosen one because he resists that temptation. He proves that he's dedicated to God. And he proves that he's, he's willing to rely on God. Yeah? And it's, it's a um, good story for us to look at because we can take that story and we can look at it in the rest of his entire ministry. Now, when he comes back from being tempted, he um, focuses on prayer. He gives us this great example of always praying by himself before he gets started to do something big, right? He removes himself to pray. And then he does something that was kind of crazy at the time. He prays in the morning, and then he goes to the temple, and he announces in temple in front of everybody he's, who he's grown up with, all of these people who know him, and he reads a passage of scripture from Isaiah and says, by my reading this today, I have fulfilled this scripture. He basically tells everybody that's sitting there, I am the Messiah that was promised to you a long time ago. Do you all think that went over well? No. Could you imagine Miss Jessie standing up here and doing the same thing? What do you think the congregation would do? I think they would be calling me crazy, wouldn't they? They'd tell me that I got a little bit full of myself right there. And it was about the same thing for Jesus. The reaction wasn't a good reaction. People were like, what is going on? Who is, I know this kid. I watched him grow up. I taught him Sunday school. How can he say that he is the Messiah? But Jesus went on to prove it. Immediately after doing that, Jesus goes out into the countryside, and he starts to teach people, anybody who wants to hear, about God's kingdom and God's love. He starts to heal anybody who believes that he is the son of God and believes that in God himself and asks for healing. Jesus heals, and he starts to perform miracles. And all along the way while he's doing this, he's asking people to follow him. He calls his disciples, and he says, it's time for you to take up your cross and follow me, meaning to leave behind the life that you had and to trust fully in what God's plan is for you. And to follow what I say to do, right? Because Jesus was the son of God. So take up your cross and follow me. And he goes out into the world and he continues to teach. And he continues to heal. And he continues to perform miracles for anyone. Anyone who listens. And everybody who wants to listen. Not for a particular group of people. He didn't just go to synagogues of God's people and say, this is who I am. You should believe in me right now. 
He didn't just go into um, areas who had never heard the name of God and say, this is who I am. You should believe in me now. He talked to anybody who wanted to hear about the kingdom of God. And he told them about God's kingdom, about God's love, about the plans that God has for their lives and the good that he wants to do with their lives. And that is an example to us, boys and girls, to do the same thing, right? In fact, he tells us to go out into the world and to tell the world about him. And so we're going to learn more about his ministry today in Spark Worship, and uh, we'll focus on Holy Week next week. We'll be moving into Easter time. But I wanted to give us a whole overview of what Jesus' ministry was about so that we can have the right mindset as we go into Easter season, as we go into the time where Jesus' sacrifice became real, right? His ministry was very short. It was only about three years that he was telling people about the kingdom of God. But it had so much power and so much impact that 2,000 years later, we are all sitting here because of the work that he did. And we all have the power to continue that work ourselves. Will you all pray with me? Let's bow our heads, close your eyes, fold our hands, and say, Dear God, thank you for sending your son to teach us about your kingdom and to help us find eternal life with you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to exit out of the back for Spark Worship today. Shall we pray? Father, we're not good, but we're yours. We so would like to be your followers, your faithful followers. We are so blessed by your presence in our lives and by your provision. We repent for where we have failed and we claim your promise that you will forgive. We know you're in the, the praises we've given and we pray that you'll be in the concerns that we have voiced and those that we may not have voiced. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. This was a difficult talk for me to compose. I usually like to use scriptures in the lectionary for the date that I'll be speaking to and work off of that. But I didn't know when Jim would need me to step in when he asked me to come up with something. So what I did instead was to ponder an issue that has perplexed me. And you fortunate people get to hear my stumbling efforts to work it out. I've been struggling with the concepts of soul and spirit. It's not so much a struggle of belief, but more of comprehension. I, I just don't understand what they are. I live in a material world, and I perceive the world I live in with material senses. I don't understand the concept of immaterial existence. I don't think I would even have any conception of the Spirit if the Bible didn't speak of it so much. It speaks of my soul or my spirit that seem to be used somewhat interchangeably, which, while my body will die, my spirit is apparently immortal. It speaks of the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit. It speaks of prayer, a kind of spiritual communication and of being in the spirit. 
there are spiritual beings, angels and demons, and that appear throughout the Old and New Testaments and the miracles manifested from God, from Jesus, and from others don't seem to originate from the material world, but in some action from the spiritual world or the spiritual plane. All of this coming from a place or a non-place that I don't understand and can't perceive or comprehend. This is not a unique type of problem for me. I studied psychology in my youth. I worked for some time in experimental settings, but in my earlier clinical studies, I learned many of the psychoanalytic concepts, one of which was the concept of our unconscious mind. I never could quite wrap my head around that concept either. It just didn't make any sense to me. A thought process that's not conscious, is, is that a thought? If a tree falls in the forest when there's no one to hear, does it make a sound? And that this unconscious process could affect my perceptions and my behavior, well, I just had a real hard time with it. Now, I'm not, still not sure I have a good handle on it, but I've had some hints about the actions of my own unconscious mind recently. Sometimes my nighttime dreams are fairly complicated. You might call them convoluted. Uh, sometimes there are twists that I don't expect, and even sometimes surprise outcomes, surprise endings. And I, I can't figure out any other explanation besides an unconscious process for how I, the creator of the dream, you might even say the author, how can I surprise myself? If I created it, I had to know how it comes out, right? And if something happening earlier twists into a later unexpected conclusion, I'd have to be the one to foresee that, right? Only I don't. I surprise myself. I don't know how that could happen without some kind of unconscious thought process. Again, I can't see the unconscious, but may see this hint of its existence. In a similar vein, while I don't understand spirit, there may be some hints. Let me read a bit from John 4, starting at verse 19. It's a conversation Jesus had with a Samaritan woman. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Jesus told the Samaritan woman that God is spirit. I don't ever recall perceiving spirit. I don't think I have the senses for it. God is spirit. How can we hope to experience him? Jesus, uh, talking to Nicodemus in John 3, compares the spirit to the wind. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. The way I read that is that while you can't see the Spirit, you can see its effects. 
and I have seen the effects of being born of the Spirit on some people. Uh, myself, for instance. I was in bed the other morning, awake but not ready to get up, and I was thinking about my life, mostly, most particularly earlier in my life, some of my behavior and actions, and I became very ashamed. I haven't always been the fine, compassionate person you see before you. <laughs> I confessed and asked for mercy right then and there. You know what? I have changed from that younger person. I am different from who I was, and I think it happened when I decided to accept the truth of what I can't directly see, that is, the work of the Spirit. A radio preacher, Steve Brown, likes to say that if you really knew him, you wouldn't like him. He goes on to say that if he really knew you, he wouldn't like you either. We live in a material world, and when we act in this material world for this material world, when we act in the flesh for the flesh, the outcome is generally not pretty. The thing is, we don't have to act for the flesh. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 that God knows what we need. We don't have to work for it. We need to act for the kingdom, not the flesh, and trust God for the needs of the flesh. Anyway, the point much earlier was that while I don't see the Spirit, either the Holy Spirit or, or even my own Spirit, I do see the effect of His Spirit on my Spirit. I can't see the wind, but I can hear it and can see its effect on what it blows. We became one with the family of God through the sacrificial death of Christ and the subsequent connection via the Holy Spirit. He opened that channel for us. John the Baptist said that Jesus would baptize us with fire in the Holy Spirit in Matthew 3.11. Our baptism in the Spirit draws us into the family and unites us with all of humanity that has been thus baptized. And how do we know that we have the Holy Spirit within us? There came a time when I realized that the gospel was true and I finally accepted Jesus' messiahship. My manner changed. My behavior changed. When something is true, it's absurd to act in a manner that's contrary to the truth. When I realized that the gospel is true and that Jesus is the face of God in the world, my behavior changed in accordance with that truth. Is the spirit in that realization? Or is the spirit in the changed behavior? I, I really don't know, but it seems like I can hear that wind blowing somewhere. I've seen the actions of the spirit when I've had prayers answered. I can remember pulling up to appointments that I dreaded with no earthly idea how to proceed, praying that I couldn't do it, so God, you're going to need to take it for me, and thanking him in advance for this, his intervention. I can remember walking out to those meetings that not only did I survive them, or walking out from those meetings, that not only did I survive them, but that they went well. I would drive away down the road and suddenly realize that I just had a prayer answered. In 2 Chronicles 20, there's a much grander exposition of God's spiritual intervention. It tells of 
when the Moabites and Ammonites joined forces to come against Judah and the king Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat humbles himself and proclaims God's power. Then he says, we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And the Spirit of the Lord instructed them through the Levite Jehaziel not to be afraid, but to go out and face the enemy armies, and the Lord would be with them. So they did. They went out with praise singers in front of their army. It's not a comfortable place for a praise singer to be. (laughs) To meet them in battle, and when the praise singers began to sing and praise, the enemy armies began to fight each other and wiped each other out. All Jehoshaphat's soldiers had to do was collect the plunder. I've seen the actions of the Spirit when circumstances changed. I've spent most of my working life paid mainly by commission. There have been times when the commissions didn't come for months. You know, Jesus was able to multiply the loaves and the fishes. And remember Elijah and the widow from Zarephath in 1 Kings 17 where the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry until the Lord sent rain on the land. And in 2 Kings 4, where Elisha caused the widow to fill many jars of oil from just one jar. Well, folks, there have been times when my bank account seems to have been acted upon like those loaves, fishes, flour jars, and oil jugs. I can't explain it, but my children didn't go hungry. And we kept a roof over our heads, even in the leanest of times. We had enough. I've seen the actions of the Spirit in, I don't know what else to call it, but spiritual manifestations. I've told some of you before about the agonizing time leading up to my brother David's death. I didn't know the state of David's salvation. And in prayer for him, I had a vision of hell. And it nearly scared me to death. On the night David died, he and I and a pastor friend prayed together. In his funeral service, the section from Isaiah 40 was used where it says, they will soar on wings like eagles. Now, I guess I had heard or read that verse before, but I can't say I remembered it or anything. But let me tell you, That was one of the most spirit-filled memorial services I could even imagine. And for about two weeks after that, that verse was everywhere I looked. It was on the keychain of the guy in front of me in line at the store. And it was on the back of a t-shirt of someone on the plane with me coming home. The first week back in this church, we sang that verse in one of our hymns at Sunday service. It was everywhere. It was like God was telling me over and over and over again, you don't have to worry about David, Carl. I've got him. Just incredible and unmerciful manifestation of the Spirit. I spoke here some time ago about another way I can perceive the Spirit. And not perceive, really, more like maybe discern, maybe? I have daughters. I love them an awful lot. I held them when they were moments old. They're no longer moments old. They're women now. 
They've changed. You could even say that they're not the same persons they were. Their flesh has changed. You could look at their pictures now and 30 years ago and maybe not recognize the resemblance. But I know. I don't know how I know, and I don't know how I perceive it, but I know the spirits of my daughters. At some level, a level I don't understand, we have a spiritual connection. Gwen and I have a spiritual connection too. And you, my spiritual family, when Jesus prayed for us, in John 17, look it up, Jesus prayed for us. When Jesus prayed for us, he prayed that we would all be one, brought together in complete unity. He said, I in them and you, God, in me. Now, in a material sense, this is an impossibility. All of us to be in each other? There can be no unity of all of our physical selves. But our non-material selves, he in us, his spirit in us, his spirit in unity with our spirit, and our spirits in unity with each other, the church. It's really a beautiful concept, isn't it? Now, if we could just get all of this flesh out of the way. God is spirit, and God created us, you and me, body and soul. He created our senses. He knows we can't see spirit. And he knows that it's difficult to feel love for him who you can't comprehend. And he knows that hope and purpose are difficult to maintain with no material, physical, observable basis for them. I think that is why he came in Jesus. I think that's why the Spirit of God enfleshed himself in Jesus, so we could see his face. I haven't thought about a benediction before this moment. (laughs) So, folks, God bless all of you. Go out in the Spirit and uh, let somebody know about it.